The Long Story Short Podcast with Liz Calloway. Welcome to The Long Story Short, the weekly podcast on Burn Media. I'm Liz Calloway. If you're enjoying The Long Story Short, be sure to like it and share it with your friends. We all need to work together to save America. And now on with the show. It's Long Story Short with Liz Calloway. This week on Long Story Short with Liz Calloway, I'm going to recap with you my interviews with immigration reporter John Binder from Breitbart News. We're going to talk about the border issues. Later on, I'll be talking with state representative and congressman-elect Russell Fry. We talk about his orientation and getting ready to serve and be inaugurated on January 3rd, the Twitter files, the collusion between the FBI, Democrats, and Twitter, and Let's see how he feels about Kevin McCarthy being reelected as House Speaker. All right. And joining us right now is the one and only John Binder. Good morning, John. Good morning, Liz. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, thanks for joining us. And we have been watching, and I know that you are uh, always paying attention to the things that are going on at the border. Uh, and uh, we have just been seeing a, a complete buildup of thousands and thousands of people uh, seemingly knowing that Title 40 is uh, 42 is about to, I guess, um, end and they'll be just coming into the country without fear of being sent right back. Can you explain what the situation is down there? Yeah, well, I mean, you're you're right. I mean, what we're seeing is, you know, um, you know, even the NGOs that contract with DHS that basically facilitate illegal immigration, um, are talking about how they're going to be overrun uh, because, you know, they're already at full capacity as it is with the illegal immigration levels being on record, you know, as high as they are uh, under the Biden administration for 2022 and 2021. Um, So they're going to be, you know, double in many sectors um, once Title 42 ends uh, in a a week. Um, So, you know, experts are calling this an avalanche of illegal immigration. Um, it, it's in many cases, um, the numbers are projected to be anywhere from you know nine thousand to nineteen thousand a day um, of folks coming across. Um, other folks, you know, Representative Andy Biggs back in April was saying that it's going to be somewhere between thirty thousand a day. Um, I mean, even the Biden administration back this summer was saying that we could have half a million uh, border crossers and illegal aliens arriving at the U.S.-Mexico border every single month, which would be unprecedented um, in American history, that level of illegal immigration. Hmm. And what has been the response that you have heard of from anyone in the Biden administration about this? Are they concerned at all about the humanitarian crisis of it all? Or um, what are they doing to mobilize these people once it does happen? Um, You know, moving people all around the country to prevent a catastrophe right there on the border? Yeah, well, they're concerned about the look of it. You know, Um, they're concerned that there will be a perception of open borders. Um, They're not concerned with uh, the numbers that we were just talking about, you know, the half a million a month. Um, They're not concerned with that at all. Um, The Biden administration laid out uh, a very specific plan months ago when they wanted to end Title 42 um, and then rescinded that, right? 
And um, as part of that plan, it, it essentially just contracts more NGOs to send more taxpayer money to NGOs through DHS um, to fast-track fast folks into the U.S. interior. So they're, they're essentially trying to make it so that the border spaces are freed up um, for, you know, a constant flow. And so they're going to be busing and flying people in uh, to the U.S. interior at, like, record pace. Um, that's, that's the ultimate goal is to turn the border, specifically the Southern border into like a checkpoint, you know, it's just a checkpoint. It's not really a border. It's just a place where folks kind of check in briefly apprehended and they're sent on their way within, you know, Hmm. a few hours. And I just... I, I don't know where they end up. Like, if, I'm just imagining if I'm coming over to a country and maybe I know somebody, I might show up at my my cousin's cousin's friend's cousin's house and they're going to be like, uh, I have no room here. What do you mean? You're going to be moving in here with your family. Um, wh- where are all these people going to go? I mean. <laughs> oh, they'll go all over. They'll they'll go where, you know, they've been going um, mm-hmm. for the last two years now, which is, you know, many will end up in the major metropolitan areas, you know, Atlanta, Georgia, or, um, you know, maybe outside of Charleston, um, New York City, mm-hmm. you know, many will end up in Texas, many will end up in Florida. I mean, in all 50 states, um, you know, there was an incredible research recently done by um, the Heritage Foundation, where they basically tracked um, the cell phones of folks that were uh, briefly housed at the NGO centers along the border before being released into the U.S. interior. And essentially what they found is that folks ended up in all 50 states. Um, They go all over. It is not isolated to blue states. It is not isolated to red states. You know, it's not isolated to metropolitan areas. They literally end up in all 50 states in nearly every congressional district um, across the entire country. And, I mean, just since Biden has been president, there's been at least over one and a half million illegal aliens and border crossers released into the U.S. interior. Um, so we're going to see that number, that catch and release total, um, potentially double when Title 42 ends. Mm-hmm. Amazing. All right. Well, uh, John, I mean, have you and we're speaking with John Binger of Breitbart News. I was just reading through this article uh, while you were talking here. The Biden administration is reinstating a task force that's aimed at Im- um, aimed at helping immigrants and refugees integrate into the United States. That's what you've been talking about here. Is that is this this ta- is an actual task force? Well, what we're seeing is that the Biden administration has turned, you know, um, what would have been considered once upon time illegal immigration, right, into a parole pipeline, which is essentially how folks are getting released into, you know, states all over the country. Um, They're given parole. And, you know, when I was down at the border last, um, the agents there were literally telling me that Folks are so aware of this process of being released into the country that they come to the border asking for parole. They know what it is. It's sold to them almost like by the cartels. Um, so they know they're going to end up with parole. And a p- parole is what 
allows them to be released into the U.S. interior. And that is what we're seeing. Like, this is sort of the end goal of the so-called new Americans that the Biden administration is trying to, quote unquote, integrate into um, American society. And the language here is very specific. Um, You know, they use the terms integrate. They don't use the terms assimilate. Um, And there's there's no suggestions of, you know, limits or controls or, you know, caps on anything. It is just like endless immigration, no matter the extent to, you know, working and middle class Americans. They're the ones that have to deal with it. Well, thank you so much, John Binder. I appreciate your time from Breitbart News. You can go to Breitbart.com and follow him. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much, Liz. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Coming up next on Long Story Short with Liz Calloway, it's my conversation with Congressman-elect Russell Fry. He's been serving the South Carolina State House for quite some time, but now he's heading off to D.C. State Representative Russell Fry, Congressman-elect, what is going on in your world? I know there's a lot of preparation and ramp up. Give us an update on that. Yeah. So, I mean, we, um, you know, it's, it's you know, right after, and I've told your listeners this a couple weeks ago, right after election, they throw you right into orientation, mm. right? So figuring out where the bathrooms are, not walking into a broom closet like I did. <laughs> um, those are, you know, so they have a whole litany of things that you that you go up there and do. And so we're in the process now. We've hired some uh, some staff to fill some positions to kind of get us going. We won't fill the whole office by swearing in. I don't mm-hmm. want to do that because I think, you know, we're not going to be 100% ready to be fully operational because people have to get trained. They have to do all this stuff. So we are hiring people. We're getting ready. Obviously, there is a lot that is on the horizon for a House Republican majority, but it's it's going to be good. I mean, it's it's just been nonstop. We're home. I'm home this week, but I was in Washington last week, so I couldn't do the normal Liz Calloway uh, show last week. Yeah, appreciate that. That's okay, just to move it, but um, but it's been good. We've got a lot, and, and, and again, it is not a you know it's a slow time of year for people in mm-hmm. general. They're gearing up for the holidays, but you look at Washington D.C. and and things are heating up. So wow. we're, we've got a lot of things to to tackle next. So year. do you do you end up living there and here, and do you have staff there and here? Like, how's that work? Correct. Yeah, you'll have. I'll be I'll be there when I'm in session, and I'll be home when I'm not. I think it's mm-hmm. important. You know, some people, if they live, I'll give you an example, like the delegate from Guam, right? Mm. He's a Republican. It's the first time a Republican's taken that seat in forever. Uh, delegates don't get votes on the House floor, but they do get them in committees. Um, so that's that's the big difference because they're not Guam's not a state, right? So they can't vote on the House floor. Um, but he, you know, his flight is twenty hours. <gasps> So it's it's a little bit of a different beast for him yeah. to, to get home than it is for me. Yeah. You know, it's an an hour and a half flight or so. Mm. Wow. Okay. So do you do you have to find a place to live or mm. all that stuff? Oh my gosh! All right. That's, that's <laughs> and, and that's and that's like the true Hunger Games right now because everyone's moving out. People are moving out. Um, people are moving <laughs> in. People are signing leases. You know, if you see something, it's gone in twelve hours. You know, so wow. it's 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 a little crazy. Okay. All right. So that's a lot of stress. Um, what I was wondering is, uh, in this whole process, you know, how does, how do you prepare your family for it? Because you have a little one yeah. and, and, a, and a wife, a young family. And, you know, how do you prepare for that to make sure that it, it, it maintain it's steady for you? Right. You know? Well, I think the big thing, the difference in, in this, at least the, what I've seen so far is, you know, there was a, in the state house, there was a consistent schedule uh, from Tuesday through Thursday for six, five or six months out of the year. 
I'm in Columbia. When I'm not, I'm home, and then I'm practicing law when I'm there. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is obviously, you know, one of the big suggestions they, the House administrative folks make is, you know, incorporate your wife into this. Make sure that, you know, she's part of the schedule, that she knows the schedule, that she can say, hey, we need family time mm-hmm. on this day. Uh, because, you know, this job is one of those that, that will, if you let it, will claw every bit of free time that you have. Yeah. There's always something that you can do, but kind of maintaining a healthy work balance uh, work-life balance is, yeah. is important. And, you know, and so coming home and going on a camping trip with uh, my son is important. Going to mm-hmm. his baseball games Absolutely. when we're not, you know, that's important. So, mm-hmm. Well, um, we've been uh, talking about praying for you on that whole thing because we know it's going to be a major life change. Yeah. So that's really important that, you know, that that stays strong for you. I wanted to ask you if you had any opinions on the January 6th committee final hearing. Um, a lot of people say that it was all mostly old news that came out of there and everything. And we just played a clip from Alan Dershowitz saying that basically what they were doing was pretty much unconstitutional. Um, What do you think about these criminal referrals for Trump? You know, as we know, you are a Trump endorsed candidate. Right. Uh, You know, my message has not changed on this. And I said it when I announced for for Congress, which is we already know what the writing on the wall is going to be. Right. And this is in an effort to invoke the 14th Amendment to keep him from from ever running again. Um, I don't think anyone's minds were changed by this. I think it was a colossal waste of time. It was a very partisan affair. Um, you obviously had two Republicans that never were on board with President Trump, you know, that were so that they could, quote unquote, make it bipartisan. So I don't think anything has changed. And I both did, are gone next year. Correct. One by, resi- you know, mm-hmm. one by retiring mm-hmm. and one by voted out. Almost 40, Hageman. 40 points. Mm-hmm. You almost lost by 38, 39. Mm-hmm. So look, at the end of the day, I mean, I think the American people want results on real issues. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, in the waning hours of a Democratic Congress, um, here we go. You know, they they make these referrals. So I think it's unfortunate that we're here. Um, I think it's unfortunate that that even that that even needed to be referred. Um, I, you know, Do you I, think this is the end of whatever they're doing for January 6th, or are no. you hearing something else? Really? No, I, I don't, because the, it's never the end, right? Mm-hmm. We saw this in the, in the midterms. You know, anytime that, you know, you highlight, we as conservatives highlight an issue, we need to fix the border. Hey, look at this. Look at the state of the economy. You know, they, they kind of rally around. I mean, look, every campaign that I saw um, uh, in a different district when I toured around this, this fall was about two things was about Roe v. Wade mm-hmm. and was about Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, so they were trying to tie everybody they could in swing districts to the president to try to hurt him. I mean, I, and, and to hurt that candidate. Um, I, I'm, th- this, will not, this will not end um, just because they've made these referrals, in my opinion. I was um, reading uh, more about the new Twitter dump. And, and Nick, help me along with this because I know mm-hmm. that you've been following it really closely. Um, it said here... That Michael Schellenberger, who helped release the latest installment of the Twitter files from Elon Musk, said that the internal documents showed former FBI officials were so intertwined with the social media giant, they practically had their own communication system. We also found out there were former agents working for other social media companies like Meta, Facebook, um, and they're embedded in, yeah, Google. They're Mm -hmm. embedded in Twitter. How does that make you feel? And what can, what? I'll add this. The Twitter files also released, uh, was it yesterday, the FBI paid Twitter $3 million mm-hmm. between October 2019 and two, uh, early 2021. Mm-hmm. So American taxpayers paid Twitter via the FBI to censor themselves to help Joe Biden win. Mm-hmm. Look, I, I think two things are at play here, right? First of all, 
We said this, we've been saying this for years, that there is a collusion between the administrative state and and big tech. And for years they gaslighted us and they said that we were conspiracy theorists mm-hmm. and that that wasn't true. And there was testimony on Capitol Hill that that wasn't, you know, do you shadow ban individuals? And the answer was unequivocally no. And here we go with right. internal emails that are put out there. These Twitter files are big. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who are on Twitter, you can see them. For those of you who are not, it's it's something to read. The mainstream media is not picking it up. You know, it's funny to me, Elon Musk turns around and he you know, he gets doxxed by, by members of the press. Yeah. You know, and if we did that if we did that to members of the press, or mm-hmm. if, if he did that to members of the press, there would be congressional hearings, there would be referrals to the DOJ, yeah. there would be charges, there would be all these things to go slap Elon Musk and say that how he's endangering society by doxing reporters. But his family gets doxxed and 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 in its national news mm-hmm. for for forty eight hours, but they never cover the the Twitter files. And this is big. This is really really big because you see in those emails. In one of the emails I saw yesterday, <clears throat> it was interesting because the FBI repeatedly asked in different times. They would repeatedly ask, "Hey, you know, we know you have basically." And I'll sum it up. We know you have these legal processes when you want to, when when we want to see somebody because there's warrants and things that you got to go get. Um, do you mind waiving those or reevaluating your terms of service? Or do you mind allowing a third party um, third party company that we have authorized to come in and, and comb through data, um, removing the personal stuff? Or And so they always were kind of like chip, chipping away mm-hmm. or trying to chip away. And Twitter, I mean, um, some of the people in there, the, the employees responded, we're not reevaluating this Yeah, like this, this is this not time. cool. Like but, this is, I don't feel right way, about and, this. And I think that the, the term was that there was such a nexus between uh, Twitter and the FBI on some of this stuff, and and that they really were. And I didn't think I really didn't think it was that deep. I yeah. I really it was just I I didn't realize they were embedded in the company and like they're working. not done. Remember that meme I talked to you about, yeah. and Russell, see if you agree. And we you already kind of talked about it. Mm-hmm. The meme was you know the iceberg, mm-hmm. and he, the the top that was visible was Twitter files. Right underneath it was Google, Facebook. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's so much yeah. more that is just waiting to be exposed, and I think it will be. And Nick, you and I talked last time on the show mm-hmm. about Google. I mean, there were, and this this is part and parcel of what we talk about. When you when I send an email out, eighty um, percent of Republican emails that are sent out are pumped into spam. Yours was with but, me. I had to create 20, a rule. But twenty percent of Democratic emails, fundraising emails, and others are sent to spam. So, mm-hmm. you know, there just seems to be. Mm-hmm. So, th- look, I, right. I think this is big. I think that there's this is the the first layer of the onion. There's going to be a lot more. And I think that when Republicans take over on January third, this oversight is going to be incredibly big, and it's incredibly important to shed light on this because Can, that nexus between these companies mm-hmm. is, or between the agency and the company, yeah. Um, can can I really play this for you? Yeah. Because this was like a Vice President Kamala Harris talking about exactly what you're talking about, this nexus. But she says we need it. Listen. Fully expect and would require that leaders in that sector meaning the tech cooperate and work with us who are concerned about national security, concerned about upholding and protecting our democracy to do everything in their power. To ensure that there is not a, 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 a manipulation um, that is allowed um, or overlooked that is, is done with the intention of upending the security of our democracy and our nation. What do you think about that? She's saying that there really does need to be this connection. 
between the government, her administration, and tech. Like, they cannot be allowed to just go it alone. Well, here's the thing. I mean, they, they used national security as a reason to do things like suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story. And you look at this and you you look at the, the Twitter file part seven that dropped yesterday and how the administration really intentionally knew that this story was going to break and intentionally pre-flagged it. They, they raised up red flags ahead of time so that, so that Twitter would, would basically block a well-sourced uh, New York post article mm-hmm. But they did it to protect a president's son. Um, and, and I, Just before an election. Right. And yeah. so they used this national security. We think that Russia disinformation is right. going to bring up a big story. Right. So they, they laid the foundation well in advance, knowing that this stuff was in the pipeline, and then suppressed the story on a this – wasn't a, this wasn't a National Enquirer piece, people. I mean, this was, this was a New York Post, well-sourced article. The laptop's right there. You've got the guy who, who had the laptop in New York mm-hmm. that, that you know, was asking to give it up, and they used – National security is a reason to suppress this story. That's dangerous. That's problematic. And she's saying we need more of it. We need to continue it. I have to ask you before we go, Russell, a um, lot of uh, arguments going on in the House, especially between Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene, who used to be like close, uh, mm-hmm. about supporting Kevin McCarthy as House Speaker. Mm-hmm. Do you have an opinion on that? Look, I think we need to come together. I mean, the American people elected us to do a job. And the first the first step into governing on January 3rd uh, needs to be setting up these oversight things, needs to be setting up these committees, passing these bills that deal with the commitment to America. So the infighting, I, th- I think, you know, if there's a serious candidate, show me a serious candidate mm, that's an alternative. But that, that, mm-hmm. that doesn't seem I, to be I the case right point. now. And it's and it's frustrating because we have to get mm-hmm. we have to uncover this stuff. And at time is time is of the essence here. So it's, it's time for us to coalesce. We've got to govern. We've got to push back against Joe Biden. And we've got to push back against Senate Democrats. Yeah. Well, state representatives, soon to be congressman, Russell Fry, thank you so much. Good to be here as always. All right. Uh, the next time we'll see you, I'll see you in D.C. next time. Yeah. And then we'll have to rework the schedule and you have to tell us how you can That's fit right. us in for a D.C. check-in. So I have to do like Fridays with Fry or something, you know. We'll okay. To, we'll do something like that. All right. Fish Fry Friday. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm hungry. <laughs> All right, Russell. Well, you have a very Merry Christmas. You too. The Long Story Short Podcast with Liz Calloway. Thank you for downloading Long Story Short. If you need to reach me, you can always email me at LizCallowayLLC at gmail.com. That's Callaway with all A's. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a review, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, I'm Liz Calloway.